The Sound of Hockey episode 271. We're calling this one the Daniel Alfredson episode. Why are we calling it that, John? Daniel Alfredson, in his final season in the NHL, 2013-2014, had 271 total shot attempts. Mm. And this comes from, submitted from our own Cameron Riggers. Yeah. So appreciate him sleuthing for this one. This is quite the dandy, I yeah. think. I wonder how he came across that. He didn't actually tell us that. He just said, hey, here's your here's your stat for 271, which we appreciated. Um, but I don't know why he would have landed on that, like what research he would have been, what, done, what been doing. What was he doing that landed him on this page? Yeah. yeah. You know, what I really appreciate about that, though, is that that final season – you think of Daniel Alfredson as a guy who played his whole career with the Ottawa Senators. He did not. He finished that one last season with the Detroit Red Wings, which is kind of bizarre to even think about. But yeah, he was with the Red Wings when he did that. So um, that's not like a remarkable number, right? It's just like a normal number of shot attempts in a season, but it was the number 271. So it was. Yeah. I mean, he had 18 goals that final season, Mm -hmm. right? So folks, just keep your eye out for interesting 272s out there. um, Might as well put put them on the hunt for 273s as well. Sure. Yeah. Let's get ahead of the game here for once. You know, it's always the last thing we do is try to find a a number. Yeah. We're real concerned that Oliver Ekman Larson might not score and then that's not going to work out. Right. That's the first thing we look at is how many points does Oliver Ekman Larson have because he is a... Like we said before, he's about a point per pod scorer. <laughs> yes, so, yes. Um, This is Sound of Hockey. I am Darren Brown at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter slash the X. Joined as always by John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL2 Seattle on the X as well. And Curtis Izaki. Hello, Curtis. Hello, everyone. Deep Sea Hockey on the Twitter. And also follow us at Sound underscore Hockey. Also follow us at uh, the TikTok. Um, and I wanted to mention that because Cameron is the guy who's been uh, doing the TikToks for us. He's been like taking my walk and talks from Twitter and turning them into- They're awesome. They're they're really cool. And He's, I'm taking those and putting them on Instagram. On Instagram. Yeah. So uh, we got the whole thing covered here. We got the whole kit Look and caboodle. This. They're quicker. Yeah. Uh, they have more energy. You sound smarter. All look right. handsomer. Well, he that's, does oh, some- that's going a little yeah. too far. He does some editing, so- you know, great. I love them. They're really cool. He's got yeah. like he's got highlights in there. Um, I don't even know how he does that. So it looks uh, it looks awesome. So um, thank you, Cameron, for the hard work. But go check us out on TikTok. There's only we only have like a few followers on there, and I'm like these videos are really good. I think people are going to appreciate this. So um, but we're brand new to that game too. So um, but go check it out. You know, I wanted to mention here before we really get into things that my arrival at Bardown Studios. And by the way, it's really good to be back in Bardown Studios. That's right. Yeah, it's we were been a while. I know. I was. It was a long time in New York. I was there for nine days, um, which was great. Like I have no zero complaints about it at all. Um, but then it was it was good to be home, and it's good to be back with you guys because doing the show remotely just never is. It never feels quite as crisp to me. Like I think we had pretty good content last week, especially with the Brian Boucher interview. Um, I agree. Yeah, I agree. There was a couple times during our uh, Zoom. Did we do it on Zoom last? Week? It was on yeah. Zoom, and I, my microphone wasn't working, so I was recording into my phone. With That's a, right. there was a lot of MacGyvering <laughs> happening last week. It worked. Like, yeah, it did work, and I actually yeah. thought the sound quality was okay. And just my my thing is like the visual cues when we're in the room, we can see each other. It's just it's just better. I it's agree. Just cleaner. I think it sounds better. Um, so I'm happy to be back with you guys, and you know, obviously your company is important to me as well. 
So it's weird how you mentioned that last. It's I didn't want to forget about it. I <laughs> nearly did, but yeah. yeah. But it was a good trip. I'm I, I really had a had a good time seeing some friends. Went to that game at the Mazda Garden. Saw some shows. We already talked about that. You know, I don't think I talked about the John. You might appreciate this as a, a theater lover. Um, so the other lead, I think I said we saw. Uh, Merrily We Roll Along. Did I say that last yeah. week? Okay. So the other lead in that one is Jonathan Groff, who uh, was in Hamilton, like the original cast. Oh, cool. And my wife and I like saw that in the playbill and we were trying to figure out what character he would have been, you know? And then he comes out and I'm like, yeah, I don't recognize him. And he starts singing and he's like spitting everywhere. And do you remember in the Disney Plus, like they put Hamilton on Disney Plus and everybody, yeah, totally. everybody watched it. Totally. The King... Yeah, would like they'd zoom in on him and he's like yeah. spitting like yes. crazy. So that's who it was. So that was okay. how we kind of put that together. Like the only white guy in the in the show. Uh, yes, I think there's a couple in the original Hamilton. I think so. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You're probably yeah. right about that. So I thought that was pretty funny that we were like, wow, he really he is pretty good. He's very good, but man, does he spit a Wait, lot. Wait, what's his name again? Jonathan Groff. Groff. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's right. Okay, Great singer. Yeah. Uh, I remember there was a quiet part where um, he like comes out and stands and looks intensely out at the crowd. And as he's like turning, you can see drool on his chin, like glistening in the lights. And this guy, two seats over from me, leans over to whoever he was with. And he's like, man, that guy drools a lot. <laughs> 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 it's really funny. Anyway. Okay. Um, so your arrival tonight. Yeah, my arrival tonight, uh, a bit harrowing. So I made it into the studio, but not without some drama and some antics. Uh, as our longtime listeners may know, John has three small dogs. Uh, can, are we okay to say their names yeah. on the podcast? Okay, sure. so there's Claire, who's been around for a long time. Yeah. And then the younger dogs are Benny after... Maddie Beneers. Okay. And Gordo after... You can guess that one. Okay. Brandon Tennant. After <laughs> <Yeah>. Brandon. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, normally they're very, very barky upon very first arrival. excited to see people arrive. Is that what it is? Because it seems like they all want to rip my head off. <laughs> they do that to everybody. They announce my arrival as mm-hmm. well, just if it makes you feel any better. Um, so anyway, tonight as I was arriving, Benny was just on his way out for a walk. And so he's outside barking at me like crazy. So on a leash. I'm yeah. on a leash. I'm like a little like feeling kind of bad for your neighbors because normally they're at least inside barking at me. This time he's outside <laughs> barking at me. I'm like, ah, I'm sorry. Gordo is waiting just inside the door and I can see him through the window and I open up the door and I was just a little too slow to get inside and she ran out and I'm like, "Uh Oh, Gordo, wait. So I tried to catch Gordo, but then I kind of like scared her. So she ran away and then I got caught on the rose bush outside. (laughs) And so I'm literally like, I'm trying to grab at the dogs, but I cannot move because this rose bush has me by the sleeve. And I'm like, okay, now I'm just stuck. And then Claire got out because I left the door open. So all, both of the dogs were, were free in addition to the third one that was already barking at me. And I'm just caught in this rose bush. Can't, I can't go anywhere. I'm like, what is going? And I'm like trying to move in all these different directions to like free myself to go catch the dogs. And I just can't do anything. So thankfully the dogs did not go very far. I was happy about that. I was in the studio. I could hear it all going down. It was pretty funny. I was like, oh wait, Gordo, wait. And so I'm like running upstairs. He's like, now I'm trapped. I'm trapped. I'm trapped. (laughs) The rose bush. It got me. It got me. It got me. Uh, 
Oh, good stuff. Hey, it's going to be a fun episode. We have uh, none other than former Seattle Kraken and current Chicago Blackhawk Ryan Donato on this episode. John and I went and chatted with him for a bit today after Blackhawks practice. We're recording this one on Tuesday night. Um, really fun to see him. We didn't have a ton of time with him because he was running to catch the bus. Um, so it's a bit of a shorter interview than we normally do, um, but still great to catch up with him a little bit. He was one of my favorite guys to talk to last year. So great to see him. Seems like he's really enjoying his time in Chicago. Uh, we have some five-star reviews to share with you as well. The first is from Weaselman42, uh, just a very short five-star review. It says, Goalie Gear Corner, exclamation point, keep up the great show, fellas. Appreciate right, that. Yeah. Next one comes from Brad with asterisk between each letter. So it's asterisk B, asterisk R, asterisk A, asterisk D. But put it all together. And that's Brad. It says, excellent hockey <laughs> podcast. It starts with stick taps for Andy. Love this podcast. Learn a lot about the world of hockey beyond the Kraken. Wish I had started listening at the beginning of the first season. Excellent team coverage. Love the guest interviews and segments, especially the sound effects. Not all that sure about the whenever wager. Not mm-hmm. not bad. Not no, a bad good. name for branding. it. Yeah. Um, although Brad is indicating that <laughs> he he's, he's not actually a not a yeah. big fan of I this know, segment. I know, but if like, he brands it really well, like we, we got to do yeah. it, right? Yeah. Backfire, yeah. Uh, but overall, I look forward to every episode. Thanks, guys. Very nice. Thank you, Brad. Uh, and then Katie Kraken fan says, the best Kraken podcast, five stars. Come for the great hockey content. Stay for the laughs. I'm seriously laughing out loud while walking my dog in the best way possible. I started listening regularly about a year ago and look forward to each new episode, the fun segments, the great banter, and the awesome interviews. If you aren't part of their Patreon, you are missing out, especially their monthly mailbag podcast. Oh, oh. Interesting timing. Yeah, I've started listening to their oldest podcast and loving those two, uh, talking future Kraken Tatar in episode two. Wow. Wow. And Yamamoto in episode three. <laughs> what? That makes more, I can, yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. You should be talking about Yamamoto. But, Man. Yeah. Think about that. I know, I know. I mean, I understand Yamamoto, but like, it's just yeah. we're talking about Tatar. I, well, for a he, while, I mean, I don't, like, I can't think yeah. what was happening with Tomas Tatar, but like, he's he's been a key person in the NHL, the NHL. at yeah, different I agree. Yeah. times, right? He was like the number one trade target at one point, like lots of different. And stuff. And he has been a like kind of analytics darling for a long time. So if we thought the Kraken like, were. Leaning that direction. I think you bring the analytics talk a little bit. Mm, okay. So, like, yeah. that's your... That's that's my angle. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> uh, or the Aggregate. origins of Goalie Gear Corner, Gritty's voice. Don't remember that, et cetera. Uh, what would Gritty's voice be? Also, I mean, we must have talked about it at some point. Love to see... We've been, <laughs> we've been doing this for so long. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Loved seeing John factored into the newest beneath the surface and to think of how far we've come. Hashtag sick taps for Andy. Thank you so much, Katie Kraken fan. That's, That's awesome. Very, very nice Thank review. you. Thank you all for your five star reviews. If you haven't left yours, leave yours on uh, Apple Podcasts. We'll read it on next week's show. I am glad that uh, Katie Kraken fan brought up the Patreon, patreon.com slash sound of hockey, where we are doing, is it twice monthly mailbags? Yep. Is that how yeah. frequently we're doing them? Um, and you can certainly get those if you uh, join the Patreon, which you can do throw us a little support and big thanks to all our supporters like that's incredible like you know we get great feedback and we love doing this and it's always nice to see other people appreciate it like we do and and kind of contribute and remember like there's a long way from being like 
well, nobody's making money on this, but we're offsetting some costs and, and really appreciate you buying into what we're trying to trying to do here and, and you're part of this. So I really appreciate it. Yes, me too. Thank you all. Um, and yeah, we are recording the mailbag right after this episode. So uh, if you want to listen, pop over and uh, join the Patreon. Um, okay, let's get into some crack and talk here. Things, the vibes, not so good. Not great vibes right now, but... I think help is on the way, as uh, Mrs. Doubtfire would say. Yes. Help is on the way, dear. Um, I've seen it. Oh. <laughs> Are you surprised at this point? No, no, I'm not. But that one is like that one played such a such a part in my childhood. Like I feel like I was in a way raised by Mrs. Doubtfire. So uh, I was probably too old for that one. I don't at think the time, so. At the time, yeah, I'm not I don't saying... think so. I don't. It's not like a kids' movie. I mean, no, I know, but it, it probably fun for the whole family. Yeah, but I was probably too cool for it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, help is on the way. They've lost four straight, though. So this, I should, I mean, is it fair to say this team is a little bit streaky? Uh, yeah. Three. What what makes a streak? <laughs> Three, four games? They're extremely streaky. Extremely streaky. After Three straight streaks. Yeah. An eight-game losing streak, a 13-game point streak with a nine-game win streak built into that. And then they flip another switch the other way, and they've lost four in a row. Now, there are obviously some issues happening in that room. A lot of guys have been sick. A lot of guys have been hurt. A certain player has been injured, and that same player may have escaped from the front door this evening. So <laughs> when I was trying to arrive here. Um but yeah, there's there's been some problems here. I say help is on the way because uh, today's practice, I wasn't able to, to attend uh, today's practice, unfortunately, because we were going over to talk to Ryan Donato. Reports indicated that Vince Dunn is getting very close to returning. Uh, Matty Beneers was out there in a red jersey, which is very promising because he hadn't been uh, skating. Uh, at, as as far as I know, he hadn't been uh, at least skating with the team. And then Philip Grubauer was activated off of long-term injury reserve. Now, I personally think that a getting him back just in time for the Gruby Stein is remarkable because the Gruby Stein is happening on Wednesday. He's been activated off of IR as of Tuesday, right? That's really fantastic timing from that standpoint. But then also, I think that they need him back. I really do think that. I know that like we've talked before that there's well they need him back i'm just gonna say that joey i think has been so incredible with him out of the lineup but during this four game streak like joey's been really good and he was good again against toronto the other night but he hasn't been as good as he was before like red hot through that streak so now i mean i think he's coming back at exactly the right time hopefully grubauer is going to come in have a great start um get out with some confidence and then they can kind of platoon a little bit is my is my hope here moving forward yeah, what so, do you guys think about that well how do you lay out the, the next four starts so i would expect decord i'm totally guessing here. yeah yeah, yeah. i would expect decord plays wednesday I would expect, and then after that, they just kind of see how it goes. Like if Decord is outstanding in this next game against Chicago, um, then he probably plays the following game as well. And I would expect Grubauer to get at least one of the next four starts. Yeah, because there's, so it goes Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So I would expect Grubauer to get either the Friday or the Sunday game, right? And and you're right. There's there's so many factors. There's if you know Decord plays excellent then there's no reason to take him out until he he needs a break kind of thing so um yeah i'm with you there 
That and seems I, right. I don't know. I don't feel like they map it out that far out. Like, I don't know if they have a plan four games out. Well, the thing is, there's, I mean, it's not, it's less than 48 hours from the Friday to the 6 p.m. Sunday game. Yeah. I don't know if that's enough to, like, be like, oh, that's close to a back-to-back. But mm. back-to-backs, they certainly, yeah. It whoever played the night before they go. Do you think they ever size up the opponent? To some degree, I think, because um, I, I do believe that there's at least some look of like, oh, this guy's played really well against this opponent over the years. Let's make sure they get him in there. Because the Blackhawks uh, beat writers today, as we were watching that the Blackhawks practice, we're talking about who would start against the Kraken. Mm-hmm. And neither of their goalies have had a particular good time with the Kraken, mm-hmm. right? Because I think... Mrazek allowed like five goals oh, yeah. on seven shots last yeah. year. So I, I just, it'd be fun to know that, I guess. But yeah. I doubt they'd ever tell you. I think the broader point is a good one, though. I mean, the Kraken never treated Chris Drieger as anything more than a, a backup. True backup. Yeah, True backup. I mean, he, he got that one start after the break there uh, and then one start in a back-to-back. That's like, that's true backup territory. Um, and it does kind of seem like the the gas is a little bit lower in the tank for Joey Decord right now. So uh, to have Grubauer can pick up a couple games and uh, take a week off Joey Decord's schedule, that could that could be good for him. I agree. Great point. Um, yeah, so I think we'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, as for the Gord suspension, he's got one more game for. Oh, you know what? Let me just put a little pin in that and say we have a uh, bad boys. Okay, <laughs> pin is out. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Yanni Gord got suspended two games for a high hit on Matthias Ekholm. I didn't think that it, I thought it was a bad hit. I didn't think it should have been a suspension, but I tend to not care too much about these things also. So to want to debate it very much, but here's here's my thing on it mm-hmm. i when i was watching it live uh, you could see in kind of the corner of the screen the the camera was panning away but you could see gord go down uh like right after the face-off right he got turns out he was cross-checked by uh connor mcdavid uh and Hack. <laughs> and it just seemed like that entire shift he just you know he had the b under his bonnet he wanted he, you know he wanted to he wanted to fight connor mcdavid and then he was just skating all around to try and get a piece of someone and uh you know the the piece he found to take of someone was i think you know leaving your feet a kind of dangerous potentially dangerous hit now matthias Ekholm is you know a giant compared with yanni gord and it's like how could yanni so how's gord he gonna hit him in the head if he doesn't leave how his could feet? yanni gord ever <laughs> <laughs> right uh, uh, right but um, <laughs> But as I was watching it live, it was one of those things, and I feel this way with Brandon Tanev sometimes too. You can just kind of feel through, yeah. you know. We the, definitely saw that against Toronto, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can just feel, oh, he's like lo- he's lost yeah. it. Like yeah. he's in temporary kind of like he's just going after people mode. And I felt that about Yanni Gord. So I've got to think that, you know, league looked at that shift and where it's just like, no, you were, this wasn't some accident. You mm-hmm. were looking to hit someone. So, I, And I think I'm, I'm with you there, Darren. Like, well- I'm okay with it being a penalty, and I also don't really care too much. The one thing, and I understand why it's not a suspension. McDavid had two penalties in that game, and one was, I don't know what it was. It was a rough to Bjorkstrand against a glass, 
like slamming his like kind of hitting his face and then he, therefore his his neck kind of went back and hit the hit the glass in in my opinion right that's the same kind of thing you want to avoid by leaving your feet now maybe leaving your feet has you make the initial contact but theoretically McDavid caused Bjorkstrand to hit his head on the glass and I know that's not a suspension because I'll never call that but like if you want to eliminate head trauma or hits to the head that should be part of the scope that's I understand it's not right now but there's too often those are those are not called because it's like well nobody left their feet or it wasn't ag- aggressive enough but if you hit your head you hit your head so I, yeah I, I agree with that I didn't have any problem with this suspension for the reason I just ex- explained you know it, it stinks to lose Yanni Gord for two games you you see how important he is to the team when he's not out there yeah the um, team looks I thought they looked really thin again against Toronto now again there a lot of them are, have been sick sounds like they're starting to feel better finally um and but yeah like they you think about how they looked when they had the four full lines i'm sorry to cut you off there curtis i, <laughs> Not I apologize um when you think about how they looked when they had the four full lines and they had mccann and burakovsky on the like de facto fourth line they were good they were objectively a really good team i think and now when you take out Paneers, you take out Gord, and now all of a sudden they're like jumbling everything in that Toronto line or the Toronto game. They the players were just like all over the place on their lines. Like the only one that stayed sort of consistent was the McCann Paneers Tatar line. Excuse me, Tatar Aberly McCann. Three. It was three players. Um, <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, they were the only consistent line, and everybody else was just shuffling yeah. all over the place. So it's hard to get any cohesion there. It's kind of concerning though that they couldn't create much offense against a Toronto team, and that's not known for offense. And meanwhile, they're getting absolutely robbed by Ilya Samsonov, who's been like the storyline in Toronto for how terrible he's been. Now he did make some incredible saves, but they also only shot at him seventeen times. So um, yeah, yeah, there's some concern, but. Anyway, carry on. I completely just... No, not at all. I mean, the only thing I was going to say about the uh, suspensions is I I agree with you. It's kind of what they don't do sometimes that like kind of catches my eye more than... I I thought this was a fine suspension. Yeah. uh, Except what about Matias Ekholm like acting as if he was in one of the shows I was talking about earlier. Like an anvil drop Oh, it was like, oh my eye. Oh, I've... Yeah. It was like when Charlie yeah. Conway has to pretend that he got cut in uh, Mighty Ducks, right? Where he's like, next time you get in the corner like that, grab your eye like it's cut, right? Like that was how Matthias Ackholm reacted. He's like, well, oh, he, he seemed to- I'm hurt. It, he seemed to be all right as soon as he realized there was a shenanigans yeah. in, in the crease. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, because he snapped out of it pretty quick to jump in on it. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm no fan of the Oilers. So let's not get into that okay. part of it. Yeah. But <laughs> um, to, to your point just now, Darren, though, uh, the team has just since Beniers went out um, and it lost Dunn and Burakovsky's been out, uh, it's just a lot thinner. And th- they've been losing these games and they've kind of deserved it. I mean, if you, uh, you know, different sites will track it differently, but, uh, you know, you go to natural stat trick and they've lost the shot quality battle for now seven straight games. Mm. And that's, you know, on the season on a whole, it looks pretty good, um, but they need to get these players back because uh, once you start thinning out that depth, you've got a fourth line that isn't very offensive, isn't playing very hardly much. Hardly playing, yeah. Hardly playing. You're stressing those other three lines even more. It's not the winning formula that the Kraken have found for your rolling four lines. I, I will say, in quick defense of the team right now. I'm not ripping them. I'm no, just I saying. know, I know, but 
They need some They've health. actually been in the Edmonton game and they were in the Toronto game. And too. I thought they were going to win the Edmonton game, which yeah. would have been great because they needed I mean they ended that road trip 3-3 and 0 and you know they started it with three straight wins and you come home with three yeah. sta- straight losses and it f- leaves a really bitter taste and if they had managed to end Edmonton's big 12 game win yeah, streak that would have been, nice. been incredible. Cuz think of like Tanev didn't Tanev have the breakaway? He did. That would have made it 3 nothing. Yeah, and they jumped out to a 2-0 lead. Tanev had a breakaway, and they had the incredible Joey Decord stretch pass to Alex Wenberg when oh, Kyler Yamamoto was offside. That would have tied it up. For absolutely yeah. no reason. He was just making a line change and for some reason decided to cross the blue line before, before changing. Well, that's where is, the forwards are. I mean, I understand yeah. why he did that, but... It's oh man, that, it was a bad. That was I, to, I totally agree. Bad mental error though. I totally agree. Yeah. But that happens all. I mean, I see people change that way all the time. Of course, yeah. So yeah, yeah. no, I'm with you. the last three. The competition's been tough. I mean, it's not, uh, and they've been dealing with illness and injuries. Reinforcements are coming. This the schedule softens a little bit, but the time is now. They need to get back to winning ways pretty quickly here. Mm-hmm. I think six out of eight out of the next eight points. Right, they got to. Yep, that sounds right to me. I would agree. Uh, and then they go into a nice long break. So um, hopefully then they can get everybody like fully healthy again during that time. Um, let's do a little bit of shame. 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 Curtis, would you like to come clean? I would. Uh, so uh, I've been misleading the listeners uh, for weeks <laughs> now. Uh, this is where they come for their facts about indeed. Yeah. indeed. I'm yeah. That's where I come to my for I come to you for my facts around. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hey the Curtis, yeah, Curtis, yeah. I need a fact. What can you tell me about this? I'll be like, oh well, let me <clears throat> let me just open up the CBA because I happen to have it memorized. It's fu- yeah. funny you should mention that. This yeah. is a CBA issue. So uh, when uh, we talked, hold on, hold on. Before you answer this, yes. Is this where you got the fact when you were trying to figure out the answer to this question today? You actually like referred to the CBA? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I would never even consider that, <laughs> right? I'm like, I'd be like, oh man, who can I ask about this? I would never consider trying to read the CBA myself. Okay. The CBA, even by, you know, for someone who reads contracts and documents written by lawyers all day is, is kind of a mess. Okay. But um, so we talked to couple weeks ago about uh, Chris Drieger's status, and we thought that he would require waivers to go back because he'd been on the roster for 30 days and he'd been he'd been at least the backup for 10 games. Uh, and uh, the, the rules say we also didn't know whether it was emergency or standard recall. That doesn't matter. Um, the, the key here is I had been operating under the assumption that he had played 10 games the by backup. being the backup. I know. Oh. And in certain parts of the CBA, that is true for a goalie. Play, quote unquote, play is defined. He did the, as, I want it to be noted. He did the air quotes with his hands. You can't see that as the listeners, but he did it. You are not misleading the public. That no. That is a fact. Yeah, yeah. that's a um, fact. Uh, a play is defined. If you're the active backup goaltender, you're you're counted as having played a game for the purposes of like qualifying offers and other things. But anyway, whenever it says that, it specifically says for the purpose of this rule. Anyway, long story short, Drieger only actually played in one uh, game. Well, two games. Two games. Two games. And otherwise, he was the backup. Didn't play. So he could have actually stuck around for a long time in a pure backup role and not be exposed to waivers uh, is how I'm now interpreting the rule. That's this rule doesn't specify it. It just says play, but and it must be that play means actually play. Well, and if you look at the stats as games played, mm-hmm. 
He's yeah. only played two. Absolutely. Right? So, yeah. And for some reason, from reading the CBA, which got me into trouble, I should just go with Darren's method. Yeah. I, you know, there are other sections where for a goalie, play, being a backup counts as play, but not for this section. So, anyway, I apologize to the public. Uh, I think that's an I'd understandable like mix-up. I'd like to officially uh, announce that I will be, uh, I'll be doing a bag skate later or something. <laughs> okay, yeah. um, you'll I write, was curious. Yeah. You'll write oh, a 10,000 word article on oh, the Oh, yeah. CBA. No, but that's more just punishment for Darren. Yeah. So that's when he's really mad at me. <laughs> hey, Darren, I got a draft for you to edit. It's just going to take you four days to get through it. <laughs> oh, good. But anyway, so just, just to land the plan, uh, Darren mentioned it earlier, but Chris Drieger was just reassigned directly to Coachella Valley. He doesn't have to go through waivers. That's so right. That's the, that's the shame there. All right. So that was a robust shame. Yeah, it was yeah. robust and it wasn't even all that shameful in the end because John yeah, kind of let you off the hook. But uh, yeah. I do appreciate you clarifying that. I bet there's some listeners that appreciate the clarification also. So well done. Indeed. Uh, speaking of Just articles that are kind of long on, <laughs> <laughs> on not Sandvaki. me this time, not you this time. This is our guy Blaze. It's a, no, it's a great article though. He just basically broke down what's happening with the uh, pending UFAs for the Kraken and kind of gave some predictions for what he thinks is going to happen. Are they going to try to resign these guys um, for how much, for how long, or are they going to try to trade them? So part one is up as of the recording. I think part two might come on Wednesday. We'll talk about maybe. that next week. Yep. Um, but basically the the first four are the guys that are over 30 years old. Um, so part two is going to be focused on the guys that are under young, uh, 30 years old. So um, the guys in part one are Jordan Aberle, Tomas Tatar, Justin Schultz, and Pierre-Edouard Belmar. So those are the four guys that are pending UFAs. Um, I think it's interesting. He ended up, Blaze ended up landing on a three-year deal at $5 million a year, right, for Jordan Eberle, yep. Um, which I thought sounded a little rich, but he gave a pretty good reasoning there with David Perron getting getting similar dollars. And I think, I mean, I think Eberle is worth more than David Perron personally, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, are we should we stop and focus on Eberle real quick? Cause we can. That, I felt I was... That was pretty rich as well. I I don't know if he could get that on the on the open market. Um, and as much as I think, you know, Everly's definitely on the the back half of his career. Uh, five million seems uh, too much, but I think there is room for him on this roster. But I think it would be three million a year, and he'd probably want a three year deal. So maybe you do a three year term. To get him a lower dollar number. Yeah. 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 And remember the cap's going up, so that's it's, true. It becomes a smaller percentage. Um, I just don't see a prospect that can take his spot next year, uh, in the lineup. They could go after somebody and and get somebody to backfill him, but you're you're dealing with the same kind of variables, right? You're probably older, probably gotta have like put some term beyond what you wanna do. So I don't know. I mean, if it depends where Everly also does he want to resign? He says he does, which I believe him. But those are there's all there's variables that like what rate does he want to? He probably wants to sign with a contender, and I don't know if Seattle's a contender in the next year or two. But um, I don't know. We'll see. What do you guys think about Everly? 
I mean, if he's truly interested in staying in like a hometown discount, kind of along the lines of what you're saying, I didn't really consider that. Uh, I suppose that's you can't rule that out if that's the case. But it is. He's having that a, is true. At the beginning of the yeah. season, he said pretty vehemently, "He's like, this is where I want to be. I let Ron know that that's what I want." Um, yeah. But obviously, there's no deal done, so they're not. But I mean, he's having he's having a pretty good season. Yeah. Um, lately. Uh, lately. Lately. Yeah. Yeah. He got off to a pretty bad start. He and Maddie. I mean, since Tatar showed up, he's been really good. Yeah. I, I mean, just but you look at the stats in whole, and it's uh, it'd be appealing to a contender at the deadline if that's, that's the way the Kraken, yeah, the, the games between now and then went, yeah. for yeah. example. Which um, brings us to our next UFA, Tomas Tatar. Do you want Tomas Tatar back? I think I would. I mean, he's shown nothing but positive signs for me. I think based on what's been happening with his contracts the last couple of years, I could see him coming in at a pretty reasonable number for a relatively short term. So it's probably he's probably a good type of player, if not him specifically, to talk about with Eberle. Because mm-hmm. I, for me personally, I feel like if there is a big move to be made in the offseason, it would be either Eberle or something else. Uh, if you're talking about also signing Matty Beneers to some type of contract, Matty Beneers is up. Uh, he's, he'll be a restricted free agent. Um, you could you know, kind of go the big long-term deal or a, a smaller bridge deal. But either way, the dollars on him are going to go way up. Um, so uh, if if you're re-signing Eberle in the $5 million range, he's kind of your it's your, right, your big-ticket right, yeah. move. Uh, could you do something like bring Eber- uh, bring Tatar back or bring another player in like that that's probably more in the $2 million range, maybe for even like a one-year deal, uh, and you can use that money elsewhere? That's kind of been where my head has been at. Uh, not, not saying it definitively needs to be Tatar specifically, but kind of going that type of route instead of Everly, because I'd had in my mind, okay, he has a he's having a pretty decent season in total. He's going to be looking for one more reasonable contract here. And I just don't know if it makes sense with the Kraken. I I really like Tatar. Mm-hmm. I've been really impressed with him. Um, I think he he's still pretty quick. Like even though he's older, I think he's faster than Everly. I think he's still got a lot of skill. Great that, vision too. I I just I'm really impressed with him like i would prioritize tatar probably it's hard to know how they all fit together but i would probably prioritize tatar above everly um and you know you brought up curtis you brought up a one-year deal at blah 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 but like anybody worth anything is not going to sign a one-year deal right it's particularly if they reach free agency um unless you overpay for them um but i think so tatar it signed a deal with colorado at 1.5 that's what and so that's one what year. he's on right now. One year, one point five. Part of that is driven by the cap going up, probably because they're like, okay, there's going to be more money in the system, so there's more money available. So it's good to be a free agent next season because there's going to be more money on the table. And he probably took a discount to go to Colorado. Kind of comes down to a question of like, what's he really worth? And considering that cap's going up, things will open up. If you can get him under two point five for a couple of years, I think I think that would be great. But but I don't know. Like to your point, it's like, well, then how much do you pay Everly? And then if you don't sign Everly, then you know, like you only have a certain amount of chips to play with here. So not to get too far into an off-season type of podcast, but the way I, when I look at this roster, I don't really see like a long-term uh, piece on the right side of the defense. I think that's something they need to be thinking about. Who, who's the next guy there? I mean, Adam Larson has one year left. Will Borgen has one year left. Um, it's uh, I don't know if I were running the team I would be thinking about that and if that means a big that's the big money addition in the off season 
I'd, I'd be thinking pretty hard about that. Um, but there are kind of these veteran wingers who end up being pretty decent pieces. The Kraken have taken advantage of it in the past uh, that are kind of just leftovers on the market. Maybe maybe with the cap going up, that's not as much the case this year. But like this year, there was Danton Heinen who signed with the Bruins and has been really solid. Hmm. There was Tomas Tatar who's- Danton really Heinen good. came right to my mind too. Uh, yeah. yeah. We all think about <laughs> yeah. Danton You're Your big, yeah. big Danton Heinen guy? Oh, yeah. BC guy. Mm-hmm. British Columbia, not, oh. not Boston College. Yeah. <laughs> um, you remember that one? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was that, that a shame? No, that was uh, Jujar Cairo, wasn't it? Yeah, Jujar well, they're both Cairo, BC yeah. guys. Uh-huh. He is too. Right. Anyway, uh, hasn't had as good a year. Um, okay, anyway, so Tatar, I'd like to have him back. He seems to be a good fit with the way the Kraken play. I don't know. Happy, it's small sample size. I don't know if he's always but, happy, right? Yeah. Like, we don't have anything to compare it to, but Tuna. I mean, he's, he's got to be, like, happy with the opportunity he's getting, you know? Like, yeah. you think about what happened to him in Colorado there. He'd, And I talked to somebody who watched that team very closely, and he was like, Tatar was not good in Colorado. No, that's I don't know how much of that is just fit, you know. And well, he yeah. played himself down the lineup to a, the fourth line, and he's playing just a few minutes a night, and he wasn't scoring at all. So then he comes to Seattle, he gets thrown onto the first line immediately, and immediately starts producing. So it's like it's you got to appreciate yeah, that yeah. opportunity, you know, if you're if you're him to kind of re- like think about it. That if he has think about that, ooh. If he has like a whole season like that where he is playing on the fourth line, you know, 10 minutes or less a night, he's hardly scoring at all. And then he goes out this summer to try to find a new deal. You know what I mean? Like this is kind in a way resurrected what he's going to be able to get now. On the other side of things, if the Kraken play themselves out of the playoff picture, I truly do think that they would be able, if they want to trade him, I think they could get significantly better than the fifth round pick that they traded him for, which is kind of comical to think about but I, I wouldn't shock me if they got a second or third rounder for him if he continues to produce up until the the deadline here yeah i guess it comes down to what's it what's he worked to the team so yeah yeah I, you know he has that reputation of disappearing in the playoffs which might take a toll on his market you know at the trade deadline i don't know that there's actually anything to that in the way he plays maybe there is um but uh you know it's a, a, you know it'll be an obstacle to his market i think um but i mean if we moving on to the the next player yeah, on Blaze's list. Justin Schultz and and Belmar were the other two. I think both of these are I think they just keep them around. If the if the Kraken are still in the playoff picture and they don't want to be true sellers, I think they probably keep them around through the end of the season and then just let them walk is what I would expect to happen. I, I do think Schultz I can't imagine somebody offering a second round pick for Schultz. Maybe not. But would you do it if that were the case? Yeah. Because Tra- well, if they're sellers. I would want well, to keep even them. if they're not, because I mean, we've seen Riker draw in even for Schultz. Yeah. To your point, though, where you were like, I just think that Schultz is currently a better player. I do, too. I do, too. I I kind of agree with you on that. Like, I don't think it's that huge of a drop-off, but, like, Riker's a 22-year-old rookie, you know? Like, I think when you get to the playoffs, if you're truly going to make a run at the playoffs, you probably want to keep your right shot puck-moving defenseman who quarterbacks the second power play around is my thought, you know? Um, but that also to me gives him some value on the market. So there's going to come an inflection point at some point where they're going to have to say, okay, we're going to keep this group together or we're going to trade guys. I think he and Belmar would be the guys that they're like, or some of the guys that they would say, all right, let's move on from, from them and just get what we can get back yeah. for them. Yeah. So. I, I, I'm 
okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Schultz, Tatar, Eberly, all 33 years old. And it's an oversimplification, kind of like the, you know, talking about face-offs. Maybe we'll get into that at some oh, point. Oh, no, please uh, no. <laughs> it's an oversimplification, but I think it, you know, it's a cliche that, you know, 34 is kind of the, the danger year, mm-hmm. the year people look out for in terms of drop-off. And they're all kind of you know, they're all, they're all right there. So it's it's a big question about whether you want to bring them back. And it's if they're having good seasons and have value on the market, it's it might be hard to turn down if, um, you know, if the team's out of it. All right. An update to our whenever wager or our periodic parlay. We haven't decided yet what it's called. It's not <laughs> like the weekly both. wager anymore because we're not doing it weekly. No. So we've, we've decided that we're rebranding it, but we haven't decided just exactly what it was. I swear I just saw something fall from the ceiling, but no, I think we're good. Um, might have just been my... My eyeballs playing a yeah. trick on me there. Cool. Um, so we uh, had a bet last week of who was going to have the most hits as a for a Kraken player. Uh, I had Brandon Tanev. He did not win, did he? No, he did not. Okay. And I had Adam Larson, and he won. No, he didn't. No, I don't think no, he, no, he didn't. Okay. John? So I had Will Borgen. Mm. And guess who had the most hits? Was it Will Borgen? Was it Will Borgen? John. It was Will Borgen. Oh. Congratulations. Yes. John, John just keeps winning yeah, this. This yeah. is not. Yay, this is John. Not I yes. still haven't been paid for the last time. Well, it, I mean, add it to us. our tab. Yeah. Tab? Yeah. I'm going to bill you Venmo. Fine. Do yeah, it then. Yeah, send us a Venmo. Do it. it it's, do it. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's up to four bucks, right? I don't know. That sounds right. Okay. You can Venmo right. me for any amount at this point, and I'll be like, okay. Okay, you can say it. so. Yeah. yeah. Um, He's got the data. <laughs> speaking of uh, betting, Shane Pinto is back. <laughs> <laughs> Scored a goal, too. Yeah. yeah. Do we want to uh, do a new one for next week? Did you guys think of that, about that? No, let's wait till after the All-Star okay. break. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to our interview with Ryan Donato. You know, welcome on to Sound of Hockey, a very special guest, an old friend. He has played 368 career NHL games, including 145 regular season games and 14 playoff games with the Seattle Kraken. Uh, he's now a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. Thanks for joining us, Ryan Donato. Welcome back to yeah. Seattle. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. I'm good. Happy to be back. Yeah, good to see you. So how'd, first off, how'd the wedding go? It was the summer. It was great. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, you know, uh, it was a lot of fun, a lot of good people there, and uh, a lot of good memories. Um, any Kraken players make the trip out there? Couple, yeah, yeah. couple, few. Any individuals that were particularly standouts on the dance floor that you recall? Um, you know, Maddie Beniers and Yanni always always bring it pretty good. So I said those two. <laughs> Maybe Jared a little bit as well. Leaders on and off the ice, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so how are you finding Chicago so far? I mean, uh, you've been there now for what six six months or so, and maybe not that that long, but. How are you finding it so far? It's been great. Yeah. It's been great. Uh, I mean, everything's been a blessing. My wife and I have been extremely happy. I mean, it's a great group of guys here, great people to be around, and obviously a great city, so uh, we couldn't be more happy. Yeah. Have you hit up uh, Pequod's Pizza yet, or do you have a Not favorite, Not favorite pizza spot? Haven't haven't gotten to the pizza too much. My my wife uh, has had a couple of slices that she, she probably has a favorite spot right now, but... Not for me. Hopefully, I will uh, soon. <laughs> I do recommend Pequod's. It's a nice, a nice deep dish spot for sure. Um, one thing I, I don't know if our listeners are super familiar with this, but um, I'd love to just go down memory lane for a minute. Can you talk us through a little bit your that first season when you became a pro? I always think that's such a fascinating story of all the things that you got to accomplish in such a short time there. Can you kind of just remind our yeah. listeners on first what season that, in Seattle as, as a pro, as a your pro. first year as a pro? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 kind of a whirlwind experience, right? Uh, it's hard. You got to learn uh, on the fly. 
but you're also soaking everything up and enjoying the moment at the same time. So uh, there's definitely a lot of lessons to be had, and sometimes you probably uh, don't learn those lessons as quickly as you would like just because the whole circumstance of, oh, you're in the NHL now, there's so many big expectations and things going on. So uh, for me, it was definitely a, a whirlwind experience where, you know, there's a, there's some distractions that you just got to learn how to be a pro, right? Do the right things, take care of your body, um, block out what what will inhibit your ability to kind of become a pro. Mm-hmm. And I remember, um, didn't you, you like went from college to like Olympics to didn't that all happen in like the course of just a few months for yeah, you? Everything happened super fast. Yeah. So for me, it was a pretty quick turnaround. And like I said, it was a kind of a whirlwind experience where you kind of black out and just kind of are along for the ride. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I remember interviewing you too right after you signed with the Kraken. And it was an, an interesting situation because you had, um, I guess you, you were with the Sharks. And then just before, like on the eve of training camp, you ended up signing a one year deal. Um, why was that such a good fit for you coming into the Kraken organization? Um, you know, there was just a lot of opportunity, I think, uh, you know, obviously a lot of excitement around the, the city and, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of great things about the place. So I was, I was excited to kind of give it a try. You know, I think uh, with the uh, players that they drafted and uh, the group, what, they, what it looked like, I liked the way it looked. It looked like a deep team and looked like a bunch of good guys. And obviously when I came out, came out here, I found out right away that I love the city and I love the guys. And, uh, you know, we meshed right away, uh, uh, right away pretty well. It was still a COVID impacted season that first year, right? And then a lot of the players still talk about how the second year was a little bit more opportunity. I mean, obviously you had better success on the ice, but also off the ice, it had a better opportunity to kind of bond. Is that, is that kind of yeah, for accurate? sure. Yeah, I think the first year is like everybody's coming from different teams and nobody really knows each other and everybody's making the effort to get to know each other, mm-hmm. which is great. But the second year, you already have all your inside jokes, you have your buddies, you have your, your little things. So it's just a lot easier and a lot more excitement coming back the second year compared to the first year where there's a little bit more nerves and learning and trying to figure out who's who and what guy is like, what kind of certain guys are like and kind of learning everybody's uh, personalities and stuff like that. So I think the second year was definitely a lot easier and a lot more excitement coming in. And then how did things kind of end in Seattle? Did you ever think there was a possibility to come back for a third season? Yeah, no, I mean, I think um, I would have considered it for sure. But, you know, with Chicago coming in with the offer right away, it was, was kind of hard to turn down. And, um, you know, the, the free agent market's a pretty interesting place, right? So it's like it, there's there's a lot of moving pieces. And, you know, um, I was very excited that the uh, – the uh, opportunity to be a Blackhawk and I'm you know it's closer to home and there's a lot of good things about it and you know uh, there's a lot of excitement obviously with the the young group that we have here and uh, the future so you know I thought I could be a part of something and I'm I'm very happy and blessed to be here now. And if you got to play with Connor Bedard quite a bit um, was there any any time like in preseason camp or or whatever where you're just like whoa this this kid is as advertised? Yeah no I think every day there was something that he was doing (laughs) that was especially during training camp where he was who's flying around or making a move or just kind of his skill set is just so elite. So uh, kind of seeing that firsthand right away uh, after signing there right away about the excitement and, uh, of the young guys and seeing that it's all all the hype is real is, uh, is definitely special. And, you know, I'm excited to be a part of that. Are you feeling like you're getting kind of that similar level of like opportunity like you got in, in Seattle too? Yeah, I would say so far a lot more. It's definitely been different. Uh, but, you know, it's, um, it's hard. I think um, we're at its point now where we're, we're developing a lot of young guys and we're, we're building for a future, right? We're kind of learning uh, the ways, like we said, we're talking about earlier, how to be a pro. A lot of guys in our team are doing that. And 
uh, you know, I'm, I'm just happy to be a guy that can uh, also soak up some, some information from the older guys here, then, but also help the younger guys uh, along the way. Yeah. Um, we're, we're short on time here. I know you got a, a bus to catch, so um, we won't keep you too much longer. But just one, one quick one for you here. Is there a, a memorable moment um, that kind of sticks out from you, from your, your crack and tender that you're going to take with you? I mean, there's so many. There's so many different moments. Um, you know, a lot of the playoffs, that kind of stuff is definitely hard not to, to come to think of first. Um, one of the scoring the first goal was definitely cool. Yeah. First game, first home game, all that stuff is is uh, is pretty memorable. I think honestly, coming back here and playing against here for the first time and having that that video montage and having the, the crowd cheer was definitely very special as well. So. Uh, yeah, no, I think there's definitely so many different memories that I could think of, but I, I don't know if I can narrow it down just to one. Yeah. Uh, well, we're, we're wishing you the very best here. Good luck on Wednesday, although not too much, right? Yeah. Playing the Kraken. <laughs> but, um, but no, great to see you. Best of luck to you. And, um, you know, you're a beloved Kraken oh, player you. for, for always. So, thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. I appreciate luck. that. Thank you, Thanks, guys. Ryan. Yeah, of course. All right. Great chat with Ryan Donato. Uh, thank you to the Blackhawks PR staff, Ben Fromstein, Kaylee Conaval, and John Steinmiller for helping us connect with Ryan Donato. Great to see him um again he was he was rushing a little bit to get to his bus so super nice though the nicest oh guy my gosh. yeah always Incredible. loved dealing with him yeah. and um was pretty excited when i thought like you know what blackhawks are coming to town we should reach out and see if they let us talk to him and they they did so that was great we have a you don't see that every day Actually, we have two of them. So the first one, the Penguins uh, scored on themselves during a game against the Arizona Coyotes. And I feel like how many times has it happened during the course of any game where uh, the goalie goes out for a delayed penalty and you're just like, come on, shoot it in your own net. Shoot it in your own net. And they actually did it. So uh, I think it was Chris Kunitz was trying to pass it back to Evgeny Malkin and Evgeny Malkin wasn't paying attention. And it just like hit off the toe of his stick and went right in the net. So... Um, that was comical. Um, also, we had a second, you don't see that every day, where uh, it was a Brady Kachuk. Who were the players involved here? I think it was Kachuk and Tarasenko. One of them did the, like, flip the stick to the other guy in yeah, so, full stride. So Kachuk's stick was on the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. I didn't Taras- want to worry about the details, so fill us in. <laughs> Tarasenko skated by and flipped his stick by kind of taking his stick and flipping it, Kachuk's stick, in the air so that Kachuk could grab it on the fly. We've seen Crosby do this before, and people were like, oh, wow, that's so cool. But he got called for a penalty. Mm-hmm. Tarasenko did. Yeah. yeah. You know what the penalty was? Um, doing something awesome. <laughs> Two minutes for doing something awesome. <laughs> throwing equipment is uh, the actual penalty. Oh. but He's not throwing he, it. Right. Hmm. It is illegal, though, right? To sc- well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, mm. obviously, they called a penalty. Uh-huh. I mean, we've seen people move sticks before. I saw it in a recent game, yeah. like a cracking game, yeah. where somebody like shot the stick across the ice to a teammate, and I was like, "Hmm, that seems oh, yeah, like something that I or, didn't think or was allowed." Or sweep it out of the way. Yeah. To me, that's the one thing is this popped up right, probably about right. it was three a scoop or four up. feet. Yeah, nice little scoop. I don't know. It's cool play. I think yeah. it's unfortunate that they called it. There, like, if a play is cool enough, it shouldn't be a penalty. I, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, if you run the goalie and it's cool, then it's fine. Now that I would disagree with. Um, <laughs> pl- but like when Tomas Tatar played the puck while sitting on top of the boards, come on, that was awesome, right? Remember he got <laughs> right. called for playing the puck from the bench because he yes. hadn't stepped under the ice yet. Yeah. Yeah. It was super cool. And the anyway. Wenberg goal against the Oilers was super cool. Who cares yes. that Yamamoto's yeah. offside? Well, Yamamoto, he's got no bearing on the play. <laughs> yeah, right. Come We've on. talked about this before. Coolness. I think it. I mean, but didn't they change this rule? No, no, because oh. of the uh, Landis Gog 
scenario. They changed yeah. the rule. It might have been about picking your foot up going over the line, though, right? It, or maybe like when you, it was clearly he was ruled offside, so they didn't change the rule. God, I swear they changed the Landeskog rule. I don't know. We're gonna do some research. You're gonna need back. to can go. I, do you have a rule book to consult? In addition to your CBA, yeah, Yeah, because there's two now that we need to consult. One is, did they change the rule on offside because of uh, Gabriel Landeskog? And then two is uh, scooping up the stick. How how is that? I'll get back to you. Okay. I mean, you don't need to tell us now. And actually, what I would recommend is say saying, okay, I'll check it out. And then when we're done recording, don't actually check it out. And then next week, people will just forget. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody will remind us. It's a a veteran race right there. Okay, yeah. Uh, We now move on to our weekly one-timers. Our first weekly one-timer. It's hard to even say it without chuckling a little bit. The (laughs) New York, I'm just, I was very surprised by it. The New York Islanders fired their coach, Lane Lambert, and they replaced him with who, John? Patrick Waugh. Patrick Waugh. Back in the NHL as a coach. I'm sure he'll have a very positive impact on that team. He's a very fiery guy, um, at least initially. It's a very out-of-left-field hire, though, which I think was was pretty funny. So, And Lou Lamarillo got him to come in and shave his beard right away. So, nice, fresh-faced Patrick Waugh. There's a win. And he didn't fight anybody in his first game, which is what he did when he became the coach of the Colorado Avalanche. Hopefully he doesn't bail on them mid- like right before the season next That's a great season. point. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Uh, it's the Islanders wouldn't really matter, I don't think. <laughs> Nobody would even notice, right? Speaking Our next of, speaking of trade deadlines. Uh uh-huh. I think about I the don't Islanders think a lot. We were we just... were well, we were talking about the free agents. Yeah. That's but true. I often think mm-hmm. about the cautionary tale of the Islanders trading for Hor- Horvat last year. Mm-hmm. Horvat's a great player, but they barely made the playoffs last year. They're not in a playoff position this year. Like that's an well, aging core. That's yeah, I, an aging core that I'm just not. I questioned the call last year, and sometimes making a big splash during the trade deadline is not the best approach. Mm-hmm. So that's all. I don't think that the Kraken should be like true. Buyers. I know. No, I know. But yeah. some people are advocating for some big swings. Mm. Our next weekly one timer. Speaking of out of left field additions. <laughs> Now that, John, is how you segue. We foreshadowed this one. Corey Perry has uh, signed with the Edmonton Oilers, so um, just another reason to like the Oilers. I I am still curious what he did. We went over this last week. Because they still haven't said, right? (laughs) You're right. Yeah. In his press conference, he sounded pretty – it was a pretty good press conference. Some remorse. He took responsibility for his actions. Um, He said that he's been – Getting a lot of mental health kind of help and um, other it's hard, things. So. It's hard to have an opinion. I know on the signing without knowing what, what happened. What he did. So yeah. I, I didn't dig in on this, but apparently there is a NBC Sports Chicago um, podcast with one of their broadcasters that get, shed some light on this situation that came out today. But I didn't mm. actually listen to it, so I don't want to say what I heard was said yeah, let's not, without let's actually not. knowing. So, okay. Because yeah. you never know with the X these days. It's, right. a, it's a cesspool. Our it next weekly <laughs> one-timer. It's an X-pool. No, X. no. Yeah. 
That's gross. We'll workshop it. Uh, Northeastern defeated the Boston University Terriers 2-1 to one to win the women's bean pot. This is the first time they've ever played it at TD Garden. And I saw they had sold, I think, 10,000 tickets or something like that for women's college hockey, which is really, really cool. It looked like it was a pretty great tournament. Um, yeah. I mean, the yeah, the all the games, very competitive. Uh, the bean pot, men and women's, is just, I mean, it's got a special place in my heart. It's a big, you know, it's like kind of a New England tradition. Um, you know, you've got high school hockey in minnesota <laughs> i don't even really understand but at every level of <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh but the bean pot is 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 good fun the men's bean pot is next week so yeah our next weekly one-timer <laughs> carter hart has requested and been granted an indefinite leave of absence from the philadelphia flyers citing personal reasons so just in time for us to talk to brian boucher last week and say look yeah, i look, know oh, carter, carter stabilized. Hart has yeah. finally stabilized yeah. this thing um hmm. we don't know What's going on there? Um, that's all. A thinking, I think they, thinking face emoji. Yeah. I think the Kraken, does the Kraken go to Philadelphia right after the All-Star break? They might. That sounds they might, yeah. right to me. Um, mm. If only there's some sort of way mm. to look that up. I certainly uh, don't have right, it available right. to me. I'll get the encyclopedia. Um, hoping for the best for yeah, Carter Hart. Correct. Yeah. Right? And I think that's all we want to say about that. Our next weekly one-timer. The Okotox Oilers. Okotoks. Okotoks? Yeah. You think that's how it's pronounced? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. The Brooks Bandits, the Black Falls Bulldogs, the Sherwood Park Crusaders, and the Spruce Grove Saints. What do those five teams have in common, Curtis? Uh, they're leaving the Alberta Junior Hockey League and going to the BCHL, the British Columbia so Hockey that's the League. Boston College Hockey League. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how does that work? Because like, are they moving? Are they just well, no, like so? Because the BCHL, I mean, extends beyond BC. If you if you follow the thread, the BCHL left Hockey Canada. Oh right, uh, probably last year. Yeah, forgot about and that. And BCHL is is a good feeder for NCAA players, mm -hmm. and the USHL continues to get bigger. So it's really thought of BCHL is doing this to compete with the USHL because players continue to hold their eligibility. Uh, by playing in the yeah. BCHL. Like Tyson um, Jugnoth, for example, played in the BCHL and then went to Wisconsin. There's another guy. And Ben McDonald. Yeah, Ben McDonald. Yeah. And went to Harvard after that. Yeah. So by breaking away from Hockey Canada, they can also draw from other provinces. One thing is I, they talked about having more U.S. teams, but then they lost Wenatchee. So it'd be still fun to see some... U.S. BCHL. And remember, they had the BCHL showcase here mm -hmm. at right. the beginning of the season. So, right. yeah. Our next weekly one-timer, Olin Zellweger made his debut with the Anaheim Ducks, obviously a great former Everett Silvertip. Uh, on Tuesday, as we're recording the show, I think they're still playing, in fact, and he did have an assist in the game against the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, so, so first NHL point good in for his him. first game. Pretty cool. Uh, outstanding, outstanding young defenseman, and I remember writing a story about him and interviewing him. Um, he's a very, very quiet, kind of shy kid, so... Um, I, you know, just rooting for him. I think, uh, I think he's a really fantastic player. So, although he is on the docks and he's part of that young group of players that scares me a little bit for the future. But Indeed. our final weekly one timer Whoosh. the Canucks have really ugly new helmets. <laughs> They've done the metallic thing. Now, I will say, of the other teams that have done the metallic helmets, which the only ones that jump to mind are the Kings who do the silver ones and the Golden Knights who do the gold ones. These are the least heinous of the three, but I don't think that's saying much. I I don't hate 
any of the chrome helmets oh, like you do. Okay. Uh, I don't, I'm not like fond of them, but I don't, I just don't, I don't have an opinion on a lot of gear setups. Like I'm just like, ah, somebody's going to like this. Okay. So it's just not for me. Yeah. That's what you're saying. And that's fair. Yeah. That's okay. It doesn't always have to be for me. Sometimes I really like a setup that other people don't like. So objection overruled. Darren's correct. Sustained. <laughs> right? Is that something that people say sure. in court? Yeah. Why yeah. Not? Sustained. Yeah. Wait, you don't overrule and then sustain. Uh, that yeah. Made no well, sense whatsoever. What were you overruling? That's what I was overruling. Me. John's thought. Mm-hmm. I was I was shooting it into the sun and saying that you were correct. That all these. Oh. Okay. Nothing to see here. <laughs> that all of these uh, metallic helmets are terrible, but this is the least terrible. Okay. Is that an ex post facto explanation that you just gave? <laughs> Remember when I used to bring that yes. up all the time? It was around uh, Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Uh, oh, an ex post facto rule, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Those are our weekly one timers. <laughs> you going to make the sound? Uh, we close the show with our tweets of the week. I don't have a real tweet of the week, but I have a comment on one of my most recent tiktok video from adam reed he said love the walk and talk t-o-k oh get it you get it that's pretty good that's pretty good yeah that's pretty good i liked it yeah do you guys have tweets of the week i do okay so the seattle kraken announced a watch party with uh john forslund and jt brown it's going to be at the wing dome in greenwood mm. that's going to be for the chicago game so you'll probably it's too late okay you're hearing this probably <laughs> Uh, too late. Yeah, maybe we'll get it out early. But um, because the game's on national TV, ah. so those guys aren't, aren't doing the, the broadcast. So I tweet, this looks like fun. I want to know between JT Brown and John Forslund, who has what it takes to do the seven alarm challenge. Okay. Is that something they offer at the Wing Dome? Yeah. Okay. You should do Have it Have you sometime. been to the Wing Dome? Yeah. Hell oh. yeah. And then uh, not quite a friend of the pod, but a friend of us, Zach Pagans, mm-hmm. tweets, JT thinks ketchup is spicy, so that's going to be a no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that is All right. I've got another one that's kind of in that same realm. So the Sound of Hockey Twitter account mm. says, more new content on soundofhockey.com. NHL to Seattle did a Tuesday version of his Monday musings, and he's starting to accept that face-offs don't matter. Always plenty of interesting tidbits in these articles. Enjoy. <laughs> then there is a quick response to this tweet. Uh, Again, from the sound of hockey that well, says, it, yeah, the very, the second that it got tweeted, I saw a like come up and it was from one Allison L. Yeah, so you were awfully quick on the like button, yeah. Allison L and listeners of the podcast will know uh, <laughs> that she is on one side of this debate and John is on the other and John starts to, seems to be coming around. He's softening. Uh, man, I proved it to myself, right? So she did, she did reply right after and just had a gif of like i'm so proud or something yeah, like that so. yeah and she also said i can unlike if you prefer so <laughs> I no, no don't don't yeah, i left a little easter egg in there for her but i don't know if she saw it so uh, i don't know well allison let us know did you see it mm, what was it something about now again now i gotta look we, now, all our listeners well, need to go look if, and see well okay it's i linked to her article about face off oh right right yeah from like two years ago ah oh, okay <laughs> All right. Well, those are our tweets of the week. That wraps up episode two seventy one. Thank you for Weaselman, Brad with all the asterisks, and Katie Kraken fan for your five star review. Leave your five star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll read it on the next week's show. 
subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on Spotify, stick taps to Andy, and we'll talk to you all very soon for episode 272. Without a father, got a lot farther by working a lot harder, by being a lot smarter, by being a self-starter by 14. They placed him in charge of a trade-in charter. And every day while we're being slaughtered and caught it away across the waves, he struggled and kept his guard up. Inside, he was longing for something to be a part of. The brother was ready to beg, steal, borrow, or barter. Then a hurricane came and devastation reigned. A man saw his future drip dripping down the drain. Put a pencil Hamilton. to his temple, connected it to his brain, and he wrote his first refrain, a testament to his pain. Well, the word got around. They said, this kid is insane, man. Took up a collection just to send him to the mainland. Get your education. Don't forget from whence you came. And the world's gonna know your name. What's your name, man? Alexander, Alexander Hamilton. Hamilton. My name is Alexander Hamilton. And there's a million things I haven't done. But just, just you, you wait. wait. Just, just you, you wait. wait.